Welcome, Digital Difference Makers. Today with me, I have Lindsay Recknell, a mental health skills trainer. Welcome, Lindsay. Hello. It is so great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. And just for the people that don't know yet, do you want to do a quick intro to who you are and what you do? I sure do. So I am Lindsay Recknell, as you mentioned. Um, I like to say I'm a mental health skills trainer because I really think that that is a gap in our education as managers and leaders that we just haven't been taught how to navigate mental health at work. And that's what I would love to do is just help help leaders and organizations feel more comfortable in having those kinds of conversations. Well, and you sort of work on more of the proactive side of mental health, right? Like I think when people think of mental health, they typically think of anxiety, depression, you know, all, you know, all down that rabbit hole of, of everything as kind of like uh, someone that's already struggling. Um, so could you explain a little bit more about that and the proactive side? Yeah, and you're absolutely right. So I do like to live on the proactive side and I feel it's different from the reactive side in the sense of, you know, there's mental health first aid out there as an example, so that when you notice somebody isn't feeling at their best, you can sort of triage and get them the help that they need right away. The work that I do is on the proactive side so that we feel like we don't get into those places in the first place or not as often or not with as much intensity. Also, there's a lot of misconception around what is mental health. And often some of the things that you described just now, um, depression, anxiety can be characterized as mental illnesses and our, uh, you know, our mental health includes diagnostic, diagnosable and non-diagnosable mental illnesses. Mental health is really how we show up as humans, how we think, how we respond, how we behave, all of those things. Um, it's it's really our big part of our holistic mental health is a big part of our human health. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think for, um, you know, a lot of organizations, they do, they're starting to get a little bit better with trying to make sure that people aren't struggling, but there isn't a lot of stuff that's really looking at um, how to improve people when they, you know, when they walk in the door, you know, how's, how are they getting even better than they were before so that we can build those kind of, I suppose, that um, mental fortitude. So what, what would that look like in terms of, you know, the, the types of skills that you try to build with well, and, clients? And, you, I mean, you're absolutely right. Organizations are not comfortable having these conversations, nor do they know how, really, to this point. But having a conversation with somebody about their mental health can be awkward, <laughs> hard, um, and super uncomfortable. If you don't feel like you have the words to know what to say, if you feel like, you know, what you can say, what you can't say, um, and then how that all sort of fits in amongst your organizational goals and governance and policies and all of that kind of thing. Um, and so often we leaders and individual contributors, you know, as colleagues, we just won't say anything at all because we, we don't want to get it wrong. Um, and I think that that is the key to the work that I get to do. Truly, I feel quite privileged to be able to have these kinds of conversations and normalize this kind of, um, these words, this language in a workplace. I feel quite lucky to do it. Um, but that's kind of the key is teaching like literal questions and scripts and how to notice 
when people aren't feeling well, and then to say, Hey, I've noticed a change in your behavior. How can I help? What, what do you need? What, you know, can I help? Can I go with you to the uh, organizational psychologist? Can I help you to make that distress call, whatever you need? Um, and so that's why I, I, I call myself a mental health skills trainer because these are truly skills that we can learn. And in fact, we get to learn, um, you know, I, I could get on my soapbox about talking about hard skills versus soft skills. So let's not do that, but these are truly mental health skills that we, we get to, um, develop and we can develop, like they are teachable. They are, um, skills we can cultivate. It's not like you have to be born with this ability versus, um, you know, you don't have to be good at it. You can learn how to be good at it. Um, but they are human skills and the beauty of our workplaces in the last little while is that they're, they're, they're demanding this of us. Um, I think of, I think of, a a lot of times I think of the generational gaps that are existing between folks in organizations, like the whole, the whole depth of an organization there, in some cases, there's five generations working in a business right now. And if you think of, um, you know, senior leaders or folks that have been around for a really long time, maybe they're the baby boomer generation or whatever was before the baby boomers. I can't even remember all the way down to, I mean, the, what do we call them now? The Gen Zers or whatever's coming up after the Gen Zers, (laughs) right? How, how we are going to business, how we want to um, have our life work integration is so, so, so different based on our life experiences. And so much miscommunication happens in that gap. Um, So much opportunity for connection and richness and understanding happens in that gap. And so that's, that's what I get to teach is how to relate to each other and literally the words, the language, the questions to ask so that we can make those connections. And when we can make those connections, we can raise mental health maturity, we can raise productivity. And at the end of the day, not only are you gonna have a flourishing workforce and flourishing humans within your workforce, but you're actually gonna improve the bottom line because now people care, people want to be there. They feel a loyalty, they feel a connection. And I mean, the science and math and research is super, super clear that having these kinds of conversations is only going to be good for your organization. It's not gonna be easy. Probably going to be super messy, but it's going to be really good for your organization. Well, I suppose there's a lot of people that grow up and don't really learn to express themselves or articulate themselves when they're overwhelmed with emotion or like there's, you know, something that's, you know, impacting them on the outside that like emotionally, mentally, there's stuff going on and, it, it immediately depletes their ability to like just be able to express how they're feeling and, and what they feel like they, they need you know, help with or what they need someone to do, um, which I think, you know, leads to a lot of the miscommunication and probably does happen in, you know, a lot of bigger organisations where people, you know, lash out at each other because it's just yeah. someone's, you know, overwhelmed, 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 and then they just need to burst, you know, and the next person that comes over and adds to that overwhelm sort of cops it from that yeah. person. So I suppose what, how, how do you help people you know, navigate that? Like how, how do you help someone to 
person to cope with that, you know, the emotions to be able to articulate themselves better. So the first thing is to have yourself a little grace, have some grace for yourself and for those around you who may not be able to um, express their emotions through words and are expressing them negatively through behavior. Um, It's not, I mean, in so many cases, it's not our fault that we don't know how to navigate this. If you think about like um, uh, who we were taught emotions from, who we were taught emotional regulation from, our parents who are may or may not, depending on how old you are that is listening and how old your parents are, were probably taught from their parents. And the higher up the generations you go, the less and less knowledge and education we had in emotional regulation um, and knowledge about these things. And so if you're, so I'm 43, I'm at the very, I'm the oldest millennial um, at the very youngest Gen Xer. Um, My parents weren't taught by their parents how to navigate this stuff. And so when I was growing up, I was the person who I was fine. I don't talk about my emotions. They just, you know, my behavior shows up in aggression or um, crying or any of those kinds of things because I wasn't learned. I, I wasn't taught because my parents weren't taught. And so first off, grace and sort of a recognition that these are not skills that so many of us have, unless we got really, really lucky and our parents were ahead of the curve, you know? Um, and I think parents coming up behind us do get this kind of education because we as a society collectively are learning more about these things. We're teaching our kids in school. And so our kids and their kids will be just, again, just a little bit further ahead on that, on that mental health maturity curve than some of us are working in the workplace right now. So number one, have a little grace for yourself and those around you. Um, but also feel like it's okay to not get it right. That there's more damage in not saying anything at all than there is in saying, hey, I've noticed some behavior changes in you. I don't know how I can help, but do you want to navigate this together? Um, You know, having some humility and some authenticity to say, I don't know how to help. I don't know what I'm doing, but I really, you know, I see you. I see the pain in you coming at it from a place of compassion and curiosity um, and sort of taking that risk to say, I'm here for you is going to be a whole lot more helpful than not saying anything at all. Because if you, if you can think about a time when you weren't feeling awesome and you were visibly down or, you know, you think somebody should have noticed by now, but nobody said anything, how alone and lonely that feels. So if you can just validate, let someone know that you see them that has hugely positive implications, way more than um, the embarrassment or the awkwardness of of not knowing how to navigate those situations. I like the, you know, even the ability of the person that's overwhelmed even to to enter into a similar conversation of, I suppose, spinning that and saying, I'm not myself right now. I could really use your help with, you know, X, Y, Z. You know, or you know, it just explaining a little bit, giving some people some context and sort of why you might need a little bit of extra help in that moment. I think there's a lot of people that just try and keep stuff to themselves and then you know push through and, and, and move on um, and, and inevitably get themselves in trouble because they 
can't handle it and then and other people interpret them the wrong way because they take their attitude personally as though it's something that you know is between them when it may not be at all um you know i think those the ability to be able to say stuff like that is really important i think there's a lot of um relationship um coaching or advice out there at the moment that talks around like you know the similar sort of things um that almost need to be brought across into the um the corporate world a little bit where you know someone you might be if you're in a dispute or a conflict with someone being able to say you know hey i don't know enough about this subject right now to be able to discuss it i'm not willing to like agree or disagree right now i prefer to go away and come back to articulate myself better um you know or you know hey i'm feeling super angry right now i prefer to cool down and come back to this with a cooler head you know those kind of conversations just i suppose like you said with the generational gap it's not something that you were really allowed to do you know a few generations ago you know, it was kind of like get over it and and move on. But now it's like, well, it's more productive for us to have these kind of conversations, right? So, you know, I suppose, what do you are there are there words? Are there like sentences that you teach people to be able to use so that they can do this better themselves? Yeah. Um, and I love that you asked that question because so often people say, you know, what do you need to do? Well, we all know that it's helpful to talk out loud. When somebody asks you, how are you? To not just say, I'm fine. But the part we miss is cool. What do I actually say that's not weird or awkward and going to make everybody uncomfortable? And so um, I love that you asked that question because it's the one I get all the time. And it seems to be, I don't know, it's the one we miss. Um, so there's kind of two perspectives, right? Because there's two people in that conversation. So if we think about um, the side of the conversation of the person that is not feeling awesome, that is not feeling like themselves today, maybe they've um, just, they're reflecting on a situation where they didn't show up as their best selves, their behavior sort of preceded them. Um, and they're, they're kind of reflecting on what, what could I have said? How do I say it? Um, so we think about that person, a couple of, uh, sort of door openers to those conversations that might be awkward, um, and how to like lessen that, that feeling of awkwardness is, um, maybe you, you compare your feeling, your situation to some of the um, stories we're seeing in the media these days. Uh, uh, Simone Biles comes to mind. She's the um, the Olympic gymnast who stepped out of competition at the Olympics because she wasn't feeling herself. And so you can sort of leverage the courage of other folks that are out there in the media. And you can um, use that to say, you know, you know how this, you know, Simone Biles had this uh, she was really courageous and she did this thing. Well, here's how that relates to how I've been feeling. And, you know, then you can sort of use that and, and, and leverage their story to, to relate to your story. Um, you know, um, it, it helps to see other people, um, it helps, you know, it helps to have these conversations and see other people having these scenarios to kind of make you feel like you're not the only one having these things. Um, so that's, that's one way for sure. 
Another way is you can go to your doctor, go to your, your mental health professional, your family doctor, um, any sort of, uh, professional and get a, get a note. Like if you're thinking, you know, you need, you need some time off of work. You need to go on short-term disability, whatever awkward conversation to have with your boss, go get a note and slide it across the table and say, you know, my doctor is recommending this because I haven't been feeling so hot. Um, you know, there's that little bit of professional validation that can add some credibility. If your boss is, if you think your boss is going to look at you and say, I'm not sure. Do you just need an extended vacation? You know, maybe get that little bit of professional validation if you think it would help, um, uh, if, if it would help to to make your appeal sort of to your to your leader if they don't quite get that from a compassionate point of view. Um, and then the other the other way you could is ask questions of whomever you're speak you want to share this the story with. Like if you, you know, again, if you need to speak to your boss and ask for some extended time off, you know, you could ask them, have they ever had an experience similar to this where they haven't felt themselves? And, um, you know, when they answer you back, you say, yeah, that's it. That's how I'm feeling. And here's how it's affecting me. So inviting the person on the other side of the conversation to share their experience gives you a, a door opener to be able to share your experience as well. Yeah. So that's the one side of the conversation. So then what if you're on the other side and, you know, somebody says, Hey, I'm not feeling myself today. And you go, what do I say to that? How do I respond back to that? Because that can be terrifying as well. Um, so a few things you can do as the responder to those conversations is thank you for sharing. Thank you for letting me know what's going on with you. How can I help? What do you need? How can we navigate this together? Um, those kinds of things coming from a place of compassion, first and foremost, I am a such a believer that compassion has the power to change the world. So if we can come at these kinds of scenarios from a place of compassion, which means um, recognizing and seeing signs of suffering and wanting to do something about them. That's kind of the working definition of compassion. So we'll come at it from a place of compassion and a place of curiosity. Remember, you are not in their shoes. You do not have their lived experience. And even if the story they're telling you is some is similar to something that's happened to you, your response to it is going to be completely different. And it doesn't make them feel any better to say, yeah, that's nice. Guess what happened to me? It doesn't make them feel any better when you one up them in their, in your storytelling, when they have shared something super personal and super private for them. So compassion and curiosity, don't tell your side of the story and then defer to what they need. How can you help? What do they need from you? And if they're not sure what they need from you, maybe you lay out a few options and only a couple of options. Don't, you know, uh, paralysis by decision or whatever it is whatever that whatever the the phrase is um because sometimes too many decisions gets overwhelming as, as well but maybe there's a couple of options that you can think of that they um that might be helpful to them that uh, you can suggest but defer to what they need again you you may think you know what would be really helpful in this situation but you can't actually know because you're not them um so those kinds of those uh yeah those are three ideas anyway I like the, um, you know, I think that one where people try to relate with their story and it can feel like someone's trying to one up 
the other person and and on the person that may be telling the story it may genuinely be uh an attempt to try to connect with that person or relate you know i've seen this i've seen that happen in a lot of um settings not necessarily mental health related but just like someone will be telling you know a funny story or something like that you know a great story they really wanted to tell and then someone else will try to tell a similar story I suppose to you know and then two sides it is like one person like you're trying to one-up me one person is like no like I'm oh like I just wanted to connect with that person I don't know why it just came to mind and I felt like I needed to share it so I think there's like a uh, I wouldn't say like instinctive or intuitive but like there's there's something about like people wanting to relate to people and and naturally go towards doing that so I think that's a really good tip to like to keep that in mind to, to not do that because of it may come with good intentions but it may be um received a different way so really being aware of that I suppose a lot of this is awareness right like just getting prepared yeah hugely uh it is about that self-awareness for you and for the person in the other conversation because i I really believe that in the example of of telling a telling a relatable story i think you're coming at it from a place of truly good intentions to help them feel like you get it you understand where they're coming from and all those kinds of things um but it has the unintended consequence of feeling like you're trying to minimize, um, minimize what they're, what they're going through. And I think if you just say validate, say, I hear you, this is super tough. I can't even imagine what this might must feel like for you. I've been in similar situations and I, you know, it's not, um, my situation is not the same as your situation. And I think that has a bigger positive impact. The validation, letting them know that they felt heard has a bigger impact um, than, than, you know, the unintended consequence of, of feeling like you've been one-upped. Um, and on the self-awareness piece is, again, we don't know what we don't know. And so when we have these conversations and the more we have them, um, the more we learn and then the more confident we feel, and then the more awareness happens, this is beautiful, like, you know, positive, um, chain reaction that happens. So the more, the more we share our story, the more people feel confident that they can share theirs, um, which helps other people in their mental health maturity and their, um, increased comprehension and language and and knowing what to say and when to say it and all those kinds of things. So I think, yeah, the more we get to have these conversations and the more that we do have these conversations, uh, the better collectively we are, we are all going to be from mental health perspective. Yeah, I suppose for a lot of people, it's just not feeling judged, right? Like if they feel like they can share and the other person will accept that and and see them the same way, you know, no better, but just the same, you know, like people don't, they just don't want to be treated differently to how they were before when they share stuff like this. And I think, you know, that's probably where a lot of people, someone may share it and naturally you know, our instinct is kind of look at that person as like the like they're wounded, like mm-hmm. they're like they're different, you know, as opposed to just hey, they're having an off day. Like, you know, I have off days too. You know, I can yeah. you know, we aren't always the same. Like every day that we wake up, it's a little bit 
little bit different, you know. So I think, yeah, um, yeah I, I like what you're saying about delivering a little bit more compassion um, is a cure to that. But I suppose to you, Lindsay, like what's with what you're doing now and the work that you're doing, what's the impact that you want to have in, you know, 10, 15 years' time? Yeah. I want everyone obviously let's go big i want everyone to feel like they know the words to use to de- to describe how they're feeling i want to normalize this kind of language in organizations for sure i think um companies workplaces have a super powerful super unique opportunity to positively influence the mental health of the humans of the world right there's no other place that we spend more time. It's like, it's like saying to schools, you have this opportunity to impact your kids. We get that. But in workplaces, we haven't got that to this point. And so as adults who get to learn new things, workplaces have an opportunity to positively influence the world. And so that's what I want to do is, is continue to raise mental health maturity by normalizing this kind of language in the workplace and just making it how we speak around here. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's fantastic. I mean, if we, can get, if we can get the whole world to do that, I think it'd be a very, very different place. And even, you know, just a, a city, you know, or enough, totally. uh, enough of a city would make a huge difference, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, well, and there's, there's so much science and research and evidence to back up why this this matters, why language matters, um, why supporting uh, folks in organizations matters. And I think that's the most exciting thing for me as we go into the future is, you know, we've been told that we have to do all of these things, but now there's evidence to support why, which as an analyst in my career, I need that data to support why we're doing this. Um, and that's really exciting because there's more and more people doing more and more research to support this, which helps skeptics like me and other people like me to recognize and buy into doing more of this work. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I I heard something uh, a little while ago around, um, I think it was organizations that just started, you know, in like doing, meditation or mindfulness or those sort of things and like yeah, across the board so many of the stats within the business went up just totally. purely from like uh you know i think the person that described it to me talked about like the vibration of everyone was kind of much different and everyone was on the same wavelength um yeah it definitely has an impact you know when people can uh when they're in a better mental space to be able to communicate and you know in a space where maybe you're not controlled by their emotions as much not worried about you know if they get angry how they're going to act or how they might be able to interact with others and everything like that so i think that's really important um if anyone after this Lindsay, wants to get in contact with you where's the best place to do that i hang out on linkedin a lot so you can find me i'm I think I'm one of two Lindsay Recknells on LinkedIn, so I'm easy to find. And then my website is paradigmcorporatewellness.com. Awesome. And um, so thank you very much for coming on, Lindsay. Um, I hope someone will get in contact with you or maybe an organization that would like to um, talk to you about how you might be able to help them 
um, increase the mental health skills in their business. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for coming on and sharing your wisdoms. It's been such a pleasure. You ask great questions. So thanks for being such a good host. Thank you.